Well, praise the Lord, and welcome to Russ Podcast today. I'm your host, Kirk Space. Are you saved today? Do you have a born-again Christian experience that you want to share on the show? Are you questioning the Bible or even God's existence? If so, I want to have a conversation with you. You can reach out to me at russpodcast at proton.me. That's russpodcast at proton.me. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me there at Podcast. Either way, you know, get a hold of me. I'm in the process of uh, branching out onto different platforms. I will be on Facebook. Uh, I'm up in the air um, on branching into YouTube. And I'm on all the, the, the main podcast uh, platforms. So with that out of the way, today's show, I have Tandy coming on. And how I met Tandy... Uh, so there's this Christian dating app called Upwords, and about six months ago, I downloaded this app with no intentions of dating or getting to know somebody. I was curious to see uh, what kind of Christian women were actually out there, and I had so many bad experiences and conversations with uh, women on this app, and from what I gathered, this app uh, was pretty much a place where people can go to find somebody with decent morals. The, the chances of finding somebody actually born again and saved on that app are very, very slim from what I found in my experience. So after I started this podcast, I, I thought, well, how about maybe I try to start using this app now to, to get some, some interviews? Maybe, you know, Maybe I will see somebody born again and then want to come on. So I changed my bio on this app to say I'm not here for dating. I'm the host of Russ Podcasts, and I'm looking to interview born-again Christians on, uh, you know, on their experience and their testimonies. As soon as I did that, I got all these new uh, matches of women who genuinely seemed like they were born again. And Tandy is one of them. She uh, grew up in Texas. And then she went on uh, mission trips. She's been to 38 different countries across the world. And now she's uh, living back in Pennsylvania, uh, not too far from me, actually. And she is an elementary school teacher. But Tandy has some really, really interesting stories. And, you know, this is a fun episode. Um, she did an 11-month, or a, yeah, it was an 11-month uh, mission trip. And every month she would go to a different country. She's got some uh, some wild experiences, and you guys aren't going to want to miss it. So let's get down to Tandy right now. So Tandy, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Doing great. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. So you and I, <clears throat> we met on uh, Upwards, the dating app, which... Maybe at some point we could get into that app because I don't know about you, but I've ha I have a lot of stories through that app, and <laughs> I mean, 
originally when I signed up for it, I was thinking like, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not really up for dating, but I kind of want to see what kind of Christian women are out there. And Mm -hmm. it was just terrible experience after terrible experience. I never even met anybody on there. It was just really, really bad, um, non-saved people. And it was just a nightmare. And then as soon as I switched my bio to say I was the host of Russ podcast and I'm just looking for people to interview, I get all these people that seem like they're saved. I'm like, well, I should have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, well, I'm sorry you have such a terrible experience on it. Goodness. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. You know, I, I find, I tend to see that, uh, if I'm doing it my way, it's not going to work. I'm just going to let the Lord lead and, you know, go from there. <laughs> so you, uh, you, you're not that far from me. You're about an hour, an hour right. and a half away in Harrisburg. And so just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are. And, you know, I think you said you've been in, lived in 38 different countries. I've traveled, traveled to 38 different, yeah. Right, okay. So, yeah, just tell us a little bit about who you are, you know, what kind of ministry you're doing, and uh, a little bit about yourself. Anything you want to promote or talk about, you know, you could do that now. And then we'll pray and we'll get into your stories. All right. Well, uh, yeah, my name is Tandy. I uh, just moved. I just moved up here. I'm an elementary teacher, and I work with inner city schools. Um, I did not want to be an elementary teacher. Um, did not want to teach kids because my mom started a Christian school in Central Texas, which is where I'm from, and she, I just saw that she was overworked and completely underpaid. And so I just did not want to do that. And she was like, man, I I really feel like you're supposed to be a teacher like I am. And man, no, I changed my major seven times trying to run away. Oh, man. Wow. (laughs) I did. (laughs) But ultimately, um, I had this revelation from God. And uh, I was in, let's see, I was in Bulgaria. And I had just changed my major to education, but I still didn't want to work with kids uh, because I had an argument with this Christian guy in um, college. And he was like, women are only good for working with children. Like, basically, that's all you're good for. And so I really was running away from that because it really it hurt my feelings. Yeah. And I wanted to prove him wrong. I wanted to prove otherwise that I was worth more than just working with children. But the thing is, is that working with children is such a beautiful calling. And I was looking at it the wrong way. And it took years of um, thinking through that to, or and just praying about it to, to finally overcome that pride that I was holding on to. Right. And I was, uh, oh my gosh. Anyways, that's not even introduction. I'm totally an elementary <laughs> teacher. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm an elementary teacher. I'm from Texas. And yeah, I've been to 38 countries. Wow, awesome. So you do like mission work in in all those yes. countries, yeah. Yeah. Well, in 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 half of those, yes. Wow, and you started out originally from Texas and then well, we'll mm-hmm. get it we'll get into how your your life panned out. So, uh all right. Well, we'll open with a word of prayer here, and then we'll get into your uh, your life and what the Lord's doing. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you today, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. 
Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to come together and share Tandy's story. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit can move in this conversation and that you can lead this recording to anyone in the world who may need to hear this, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that the listening audience may have ears to hear and a heart willing to accept the truth of your word. And Lord, may you get all of the glory in this. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Tandy. Well, uh, you could start wherever you want. Tell us how uh, how you got saved, uh, how you got ending up into 38 different countries. I'm really intrigued myself because some of the stuff you said, and I'm, I kind of want to know how that all played out. So uh, the floor is yours. You could uh, take it wherever you want to take it. All right. Sounds good. So um, I actually grew up in a Christian household. Uh, I don't have a terrible or not terrible. I don't have a intense testimony um, as far as like how I came to Christ or anything like that. And something that my mom always told me was it's a testament of how beautiful your testimony is that, you know, we don't have to go through so much to get to Christ. And so I kind of wanted to share that. Um, But I grew up in this Christian household um, both my parents were, are very much in love still to this, like, they're still so in love and love Jesus and, and are actively in the Bible and actively pray all the time. And it was just beautiful to, to grow up in, in that, um, environment. When I was six, I made the decision for myself that, I mean, and I knew what I was doing. I was like, yeah. I want to be a follower of Christ. Absolutely. Hallelujah. You couldn't tell me otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I went, I remember I was at a camp and they asked, you know, people to come forward. Oh, yeah. With boldness. I knew what I was doing. If you had asked me what I was doing, I, yes, I am. For, I'm, I'm committing my life to serve the Lord. Going all in. I knew, yeah. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. And without a shadow of a doubt. Awesome. And committed right then and there. Um, as I grew older, I think I was in the later years of high school. And I remember in high school, just praying to God, like in, you know, the security of my room and being like, God, I really just want an adventurous life. I really just crave the deepest things of you. And I really want to live out adventure. I want to have an exciting life, Jesus, just, just in my own bedroom, you know, like, about to do homework, finished homework, about to go to bed, whatever. And we just pray that to myself over and over. Um, And uh, I skipped a part, but when I was probably nine or 10, I started, you know, telling my parents, like, I really want to see the world. You know, I really want to travel. And that was just in me. Like, I wanted to see things. Well, when I got to be about a freshman in college, my mom revealed to me, she said, TMD, do you know how you got your name? I mean, sure. Dad was a mailman and there was this old guy who he delivered letters to. And, you know, he, he, his name was Tandy. And y'all were like, oh, that's a cool name, you know, and gave it to me. She goes, well, I mean, she said, we, we came to an agreement on it. But also, when I was pregnant with you, the Lord woke me up in my sleep and said, go get something to write with. And so go get a pen and paper. And I did. And God, she said, 
um, said to me, like, you'll name your daughter Tandy because of the Tandy Corporation. And right now, like, then that turned into Radio Shack, but the Tandy Corporation would broadcast all over the world. And so he said, she will broadcast my name to other countries. Wow. And I had never, I didn't know that. I absolutely didn't know that. I was like, how could you not tell me this? <laughs> that yeah, was kind of right? my thought. <laughs> was, oh, no wonder I have like this desire to go and to travel and to see things yeah. And, yeah. and everything like that. And, and so I just always had my mom actually took me on my first mission trip when I was 12. I was in seventh grade and we went to the villages of Mexico. And my job was to like check to see, you know, like do pregnancy tests for, for, you know, even girls my age, which was really sad, but, um, that was, I don't know. It seemed fine where we were in there in, in that culture. And so I got to experience that and the medical mission trips. I went on those a few times and that really started me off. Um, in college, <laughs> I became chaplain over my Christian sorority and I was like, I'm going to, you know, if y'all want to go on a mission trip, let's go. Like, I don't mind. I'll, I'll connect us and we'll go on mission trips. And I took those girls to Mexico on a Mexico mission trip. And I also took them to the Philippines. I connected them to, um, uh, with a, with a mission organization and we went to the Philippines and that's actually the farthest I've ever been <laughs> as well. That was back in 2013. And, you know, at that time I was still struggling with, you know, wanting to be or not wanting to work with children, you know, and uh, that, that was, that was really tough for me. I was trying to run away from that. I'll be an accountant. I'll be in business. I'll do international business. I'll do you know, cross-cultural studies. And I kept changing my major over and over again. And finally, I changed it to English education. Well, in 2014, I went on another mission trip called Party with the Gypsies, which was super fun. <laughs> we went to Romania, Bulgaria, and Turkey, where this group literally just praised God with gypsies. Wow. Super fun. <laughs> um, and before I went, I was interviewed by uh, this this woman named Jen. We only talked on the phone one time. Now, mind you, this was 10 years ago, but I never forgot the prophecy that she spoke over me. She's like, Tandy, like, I'm just listening to you. And as I'm listening to you, I just have this vision of a spinning globe. And God trusts you so much that he says anywhere you point, he'll say, okay. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, that, that just hit me so hard. Now, believe it or not, I've moved up here and she reached out and she's like, do you remember me? She said, I did hundreds of interviews, but I remember you and I want to be your friend. And so we're like friends now, 10 years later, wow. we just met for the first time back in six months ago. And, um, so that's been super cool. And I reminded her of the prophecy that she gave of gave to me and I said, and it's true, it came true. I would tell God in my heart, like where I would, you know, God, I feel pulled here, I wanna go here. And God was like, well, your heart is my heart. So let's go, let's do it. And 
when I was in the gypsy camps, and remember, I was an English major for, for like high school students. And God spoke to me and he said, you have to start young to change a nation. And I was like, okay, God. And that, and that was a big thing, like to say okay to God, because you don't have to, right. you know, you have a decision, you have a choice. But I was like, okay, God. And when I came back from that mission trip, because I had watched, you know, the children in the trash dumps in those gypsy camps, and that was the way that they lived. And in fact, when I came back after that mission trip in July 2014, um, they there was a, a city called Staragarza. It was one of the gypsy trash dump cities. And they actually, the government bulldozed it. You know, the, the gypsies are very hated people in Romania and Bulgaria. They're feared. They're completely feared. Wow. Yeah. And so then I went back to college. Of course, I never left college. But, you know, after the summer, um, started as an elementary education major. And ended up graduating with... Um, an English degree and an elementary education degree. But before I graduated, uh, I decided, you know, before I do student teaching, I really want to do one big, not really gap year necessarily, but it ended up being just like, just that. I really want to travel the world. So I signed up for a, an 11 month mission trip called the world race. And this is where you go to 11 countries or at least 11 countries in 11 months. Now, I ended up going to 14 countries during this time. And everyone packs, you know, a backpack. I really wanted to challenge myself. I had become a minimalist and everything like this. And I challenged myself by only having a 32 liter backpack and packing three pairs of clothes for the full year. Wow. <laughs> and I had just a brush, a sleeping pad. I didn't even pack a sleeping bag or anything, just a sleeping pad, a blow up pillow. And I took the blanket off the plane. Well, that's more than <laughs> and the that apostles. was it. That's all I had. Yeah. That's more and, than and the apostles Bible. had when Jesus sent them out and he said, take nothing with you, <laughs> you know, right. just go. Yeah. Well, I took a little bit more than nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I say you had a little bit more um, than they did. Yeah. So I went and uh, I was on the expedition team and so there were 14 members of my mission team and which was the smallest it wasn't no no no. it was the smallest team to ever do the world race i think the next smallest had been like 19 but most of the teams were well over 30 close to 50 members and so we set out to in january 2017 we set out to indonesia and we did the 1040 window. Do you know what the 1040 window is? I do not. Okay, the 1040 window is um, the least reached people in the world. And so we set out for Indonesia. Now, Indonesia, I mean, is the most populate, like, as far as percentage-wise, and the amount of people is the most, like, Muslim country in the world you Indo would think yeah. somewhere in the middle east right no like as far as population and uh, religious density 
Indonesia is in, in fact, has the largest mosque in the world as well. Wow. Um, we were split into three different teams, and my team got exactly what I was hoping for because I really felt called to, like, the Arab nations. Mm-hmm. And I got to work with Afghanistan refugees in Indonesia, which was super cool. We, we worked at Refugee Learning Nest, which they actually have a, a Facebook group, and you can definitely donate to that. And it's these... Afghanistan refugees that taught themselves how to teach English from watching television and they were you know ripped out of their homes like from you know because they're Hazara um, Afghanis which means they look Asian and because they look Asian they're discriminated against and um, they didn't know any English and they decided like even though our jobs like at home was not teacher we are going to teach these these kids. And so they did and, you know, started asking other countries for curriculum and Australia sent them some curriculum. But they are not legally allowed to uh, work in Indonesia. If they work, even though they're both like Muslim brothers, they should be helping each other, right? Yeah. Wrong. If they work at all, they'll get deported right back to Afghanistan. And so when I arrived, there were people there who had been there for three years, just waiting to go to a safe second country where they can make a living. They actually have to rely on people in Afghanistan to provide for them, even though their family members are being persecuted. Right. And it was just this really sad, just downward spiral of, situations that they were that they're in um some of my friends that i made there have made it to canada or australia um i haven't seen any of them make it to america but most haven't i've seen about three of my friends that i made there while i was there i helped with curriculum because i'm a natural teacher and um could teach the teachers how to teach because it just came naturally to me and that's what i was going to school for Wow. And that was, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Oh, and that was just a really incredible experience. And that was month one of what I was, of the the, uh, World Race mission trip. Um, Then, of course, we continued, uh, went to Malaysia, and then to Thailand. I don't know if you know about Thailand. It is, it has a billion dollar industry. Do you know what that billion dollar industry is? Uh, I'm going to guess prostitution. That is correct. Yeah, I yes. figured. Yeah, it is. It is prostitution and, and, you know, nothing is being done about that. And it's sad because parents, when they have a child, if they have a boy, they're like, okay, he'll become a monk. And basically every boy becomes a monk, but the, the boy gets, or man gets to decide when he grows up, okay, well, my parents or family only needs prayer for one day. And so I'll be a monk a day all the way up to, okay, I'm going to spend my life as a monk. They get to make that choice. Now, if it's just one day, all right, they're done being a monk. They can go be with their family. If the family has a girl the, the uh, village celebrates because they're like, yay, she will provide for us. Mm. And when she's older, they pimp out their own daughter. 
Wow. Right. Yeah. And it's absolutely devastating how inexpensive it is. And I, you know, I don't want to, to condone that, but it's like a girl will be cheaper than buying grapes, you That's know, insane. and it is everywhere at the grocery store, at the massage, everywhere. It's just, it was just everywhere. So, um, why is I that? Got, why is that? Yeah. Well, like, why is that the biggest thing there? Are they just, are they overpopulated and they just figured they could profit off of them? It's an easy way to make money. Like you'll either see, I mean, women, it's just, it really is just a really kind of simple job. And the other option for women is to be in construction, which Uh is really interesting. So you'll see like women construction workers, but I didn't see many women doing anything else uh, besides that or construction. And the ministry that I partnered with was called City Light and Night Light. And City Light, you know, they have, they create jobs for the prostitutes, say, hey, you know, and I'm not talking about trafficked victims. Those, those, that is a much different situation. I did not work with trafficked victims. It's completely different. Mm. But women who are being prostituted out by their family members, or who are prostituting themselves out, usually by their family members, because that is now part of their culture to believe that this is what they're supposed to be doing. Um, Do those girls have the choice to to quit that if they want to, or are they kind of just bound and, and they're stuck? They are bound unless somebody comes along and offers them another job, which is what I, the ministry I partnered with. Wow, that's So nuts. City Light provides jobs for these women, and so there's like, jobs to make jewelry sorry hold on. okay sorry about that um there there's an option of uh oh create jobs for um like they can be a barista or you can make jewelry and sell it online, things like that. And they try to get these women off the streets, you know, by creating those jobs. Now, Nightlight, which is the same ministry, but just a little bit different. It's just a different section of it. Yeah, it's definitely different. And when I tell people this, they're like, what? (laughs) But Nightlight, you help the prostitutes. And this is the one that I worked with uh, more you help the prostitutes get ready for the night. You provide them a place, a safe place to shower, a place to wash their hair. That was my job. I, it's like a salon almost. And I washed the women's hair. Um, There's a place for them to have clean makeup, a place for them to just be safe and get ready. And we provide food, things for them to snack on and, and then we have we sit around and we have a little bit of worship. Somebody usually brought a guitar to play. And then we'd have Bible study right then. And then, all right, because these are the women. Hey, they're not ready to come out of that just yet. Right. And, and they have to make that decision for themselves. Because if we make the decision for them, they're just going to go right back. You can't make a decision for someone. Right. They're still choosing to be on the streets mm-hmm. and because it's easier sometimes. And when they make the decision to come out of the streets and, and 
there's a job waiting for you. And that's why City Night and Nightlight work so well together. It's like we are providing, we're going to love you no matter what your choice is. And just praying that they come out of that situation, that make a, make a different choice. So, yeah, that's what I did there. That was really interesting. I even had one lady, she, they're called, uh, well, she wasn't a lady boy. In in Southeast Asia, lady boys are a thing. But she was more trans. And I remember I was washing her hair and she said, please be careful. Like, a man thought I was a woman and when he realized that I wasn't, he ripped, he literally ripped her hair off of her scalp. And she was like, it's very dangerous, you know, for me. And I don't know why he thought that she was all lady. She was like over six foot tall. Oh man. (laughs) I don't know what was going on, but yeah, it's, it's really dangerous what these women have to go through and lady boys, you know, at least women support each other. But lady boys, these boys are really mean to each other and there's no support for them whatsoever. Wow. And it's just it's just totally different world over there. What's yeah, what's yeah, uh that, that is the billion dollar business. What's the conversion rate like of of any of those people coming out and, and giving their hearts to Christ? Oh, that's a really good question. I actually don't have the answer for that. That was a good question. I wish I knew that. That what? was is there a no, decent I amount of them that do, or, or is it mainly they just kind of get themselves out of that situation into kind of a better work life or, or healthier life? Well, the, the women that I did see come out of that life converted to Christianity. Yeah, because they, they felt convicted and they were like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. So, but there are women who still go back because they feel like prostituting themselves is just still easier right. than having to to work a job you know what are they paid like i i know you said that it's, it's cheaper for a woman than it would be for like grapes but how mm-hmm. what is like with what they're getting paid how is is to them to them those women like is that a, a good living to them like they yeah. they could survive yeah. and you know they're comfortable it is and i did talk about that with with one of the people who who ran the organization is that it is it is fair it's a, it's fair amount for what they're doing wow yeah a billion so dollar it's industry. just it's just culturally trying to change a mindset you know yeah on, on a um a very large scale like in <laughs> the countrywide right yeah wow <laughs> I was located in the capital, so I was in Bangkok. Bangkok, so yeah. It was way more widespread there, and there were actually areas we couldn't go to. But I was on um, one of the most predominant um, places for it, which is Nana Street. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I. but where there were tra- trafficked victims, I didn't even... I was, I just didn't even go there. It's just way too dangerous. It just really is. That's so sad that uh, an entire country. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like I would walk down the street at nine in the morning and there'd be a woman giving a last dance to a guy and he would look you straight in the eye. And what's hard is, is that those men are broken too and you have to pray and love them. And it's easy to love the woman, but it was so challenging to love the man, but he is a victim as well. Right. 
Isn't that hard? That was, that was hard for me. Wow. Because <laughs> you get so angry, and then it's like, but he's broken, too. That's why he's doing this. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, it's sad. Mm. So that was that's country number two out of the 11? <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> I can definitely skip to... Um, my my personal favorite country. Well, if there's some juicy ones in there, well, let's hear them. There's no time limit here. You, you tell me what you want. <laughs> well, I'll skip. So um, I did go to China. Uh, it was mm. really hard getting that uh, visa to get into China, but I actually have a, a visa to China, which is really awesome. Wow. And I, it was. It, I'm not gonna lie. It was. It was really tough in China. There wasn't a single ministry. It, the underground church. They're the, not. It's very. I don't underground. know. It's very secret. Yeah. It was very challenging, and and if you would walk up to somebody on the street, like because there's police everywhere, they would just run the other direction. So really, the only people that we could minister to were our hosts. Wow. And yeah, that one was a very challenging country. Um, then we have, I went to Myanmar, which is, was Burma or yeah, it was Burma. And I worked with in an orphanage there. Now, Burma was a closed country five years prior to 2017, like that military, um, you know, the, the military shut it down. Right. And so I worked with a Christian organization, or Christian organization, a Christian orphanage there, and taught English and created curriculum for the kids. Of course, we were there during the hottest time of the year. It was miserable. <laughs> it was so oh, I could hot. imagine. And you would be sitting down, doing nothing, and sweat would just pour off of you. Wow. It was quite intense. Um, but still such a such a amazing experience there. But I'm gonna get to my personal favorite country. Um, it's it's my favorite country because to me, it was the most challenging, really. It was the most unique. And that is Mongolia. Mm. And so in Mongolia, my team and I, we arrived um into the capital which is Ulaanbaatar. Now, if you know anything about Mongolia, it is the 13th largest country in the world. Wow. Yet, it only has about I think it's 3 million people that live there. It's in Asia, right? It's in Asia, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's right, it's above China below Russia. Right, yep. Yeah. And just no one wants to live there. <laughs> and I can definitely understand why. Because it is icy nine months out of the year. Just miserable, cold. Ugh. And so we get there to Ulaanbaatar. And there was just this feeling of thievery there. I, I, I don't know what it was. And actually, after, you know after not even a couple of hours, um, one of the women almost got pickpocketed and, and her wallet was in her back pocket and she sat down with the guy's hand and then he went ran off after that. Wow. Um, I only stayed in Ulaanbaatar to rest for a few days, but the ultimate goal was to go to the second most populous city. Now, Ulaanbaatar has 1.5 million people. Okay, pretty big city, Yeah. all right? 
So that means 1.5 million people live in the rest of Mongolia, which remember that is the 13th largest country in the world. So we're going to go to the second most populous country or uh, city. This is called Ulgi, Mongolia, and it has a grand total of 8,000 people. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we get on a bus and we ask, you know, how long is this drive going to take? And they and the driver goes, well, it depends on how many times we break down. Oh. That, that is the answer. Yeah. So we're like, oh, my word. So we get on the bus and we're driving down the road maybe for half an hour or something like that. And all of a sudden, he just turns hard right into the desert, not a road in sight, just <laughs> heading into the desert. And I don't know if you know where Olgi is, but it is way, um, which way is that? Let me think of a map. It's west. Okay, so it's way west, uh, very close to the end of the country. And so it's going to take a very long time for us to get there. 36 hours later, oh, we, man. we only broke down two times, which was great. And on the way, I mean, there wasn't a tree, a bush, a rock, a hill, nothing. And so going to the bathroom was very interesting. I decided to hold it because I am just very shy. And um, wow. this was not going to happen. <laughs> Did they carry like extra gas and with you them? Would, you would drive by. And you would see these, uh, what are they called, yurts. And you haven't passed another human being in maybe 45 minutes to an hour while driving. And you think, if you break your leg, there's no service out here. Yeah. You're a goner. You know? Like, that was my thought. It was terrifying that you couldn't even call for help if you hurt yourself. And these are nomadic people. Come wow. to find out... Like these uh, nomadic people will go to the grocery store once to two times a year and that's it. And really? just get like <laughs> rice and whatever, you know, thing that could last on the shelf for a really long time. Wow. And yeah, and there's no vegetation. So any kind of vegetable that they, they have to import it in. There's, there's no vegetation at all. Nothing grows there. It is just dead just desert and it's like hard sand too it's not like that soft flowy stuff that you see in the middle east no like that's this cold is, too it was miserable yeah. <laughs> oh gosh um i was there in about may 2017 and so thankfully the snow had melted and only three months out of the year do they not have snowfall and May is one of those months, May, June, and July. So I was thankful that there was no snowfall, but it was still 60 degrees the whole time. And we arrived in the in the middle of the night. <laughs> I was so tired because I do not sleep well on moving vehicles, <laughs> which made the 36 hours that much more awful. <laughs> and we go into this yurt, this uh, hostel kind of open for us, and we each have our yurt, and it smelled of yak. Uh, which is like a furry, hairy cow. And it was just very <laughs> kind of beastly smell, you know, like animal yeah, smell, yeah, yeah. really thick. <laughs> and um, they don't like, even though it's right above China, you know, you would think, because I had just come from east side of China. 
where most of the Han Chinese are. And so you're thinking, okay, well, there's going to be rice. No, noodles. So they eat a lot of noodles there and um, then meat. And the meat has a lot of gristle on it. Their national drink there, believe it or not, is fermented yak's milk. Okay, so this milk is brown. I'm talking about like you're going to a lake brown. Like not, okay, maybe lakes up here are clear. I don't know where I'm from. It's brown. Like gross, the grossest color you could think of. And then to, you know, add flavor, they put butter and salt into a drink. Oh man! Oh yeah, that is. And you, <laughs> so this and this is stuff. your favorite place so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you want to know why? Because there, there's no other story like this. There's right. no other place like this. It was so incredibly unique. And while we were there, we just happened to cross the very first Christian to ever come to Olgan. I'm talking about a local. And I mean, she's kind of local. Uh, she lives there is what I mean. And she was in uh, Kazakhstan because she's Kazakh. And just walking down the street and there was this street pastor preaching the word of God. And it just hit her because she was she was Muslim and had ma- and was married to a Muslim man and just found Christ right there. Wow. And came back and it took five years for her husband to convert to Christianity. And now in a city, the second largest city in Ulgi with 8,000 people, 800 of them were Christians. And so we found the underground church in Ulgi and I got to live in the underground church here. And she became my number one contact and I don't even know her name. I know that if I showed up in Olgi, I know where her house is and go to her house and she would know me by name. She loved me so much. She actually made me a a birthday video. She's (laughs) like, hi, Tendi, I love you. You know, and I I share it every year on my birthday because that was like the best thing ever. She, I, I fell in love with this woman and she was completely covered in marks and scars she has some kind of disease that i still don't know what it is but it gives her a lot of pain and so she loved us in houses she spoke five languages and none of them were english of course (laughs) her daughter was the english teacher and so would translate for her and we're sitting at dinner one night and her daughter is translating, you know, her story. And that's how I learned about how she became a Christian. And <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> um, she's, then she started telling us about how she met her husband. And she was like, yeah, my husband, he stole me. And my friend, who I love so much, she lives in New York. I, I adore her so much. She goes, oh, he stole your heart. And she like looked at us super confused and no, he literally stole me. So I don't know if you've ever heard of bride napping. Yeah. That's like a thing. Wow. It's a super big thing in that part of the world where you literally steal the bride and your family may never hear from you ever again. Wow. And you have three days. They they put you in the basement or attic or whatever. They lock you up for three days. That's all the time you have to cry. And you gotta get over it. And then you serve his family and him for the rest of your life. Get out. No joke. And so that was what happened is, oh, I thought she was pretty, you know, this kind of thing. And so I, he just stole her. 
And when I was in Kazakhstan, or no, 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 Kyrgyzstan, one of the girls go, isn't it romantic? I go, no! Wow. <laughs> Are you kidding? That's crazy! <laughs> no, I would not want to be kidnapped and taken away and have to serve somebody that I don't even know. Yeah. But that is culturally appropriate uh, we'd, we'd be arrested and, for uh, kidnapping so he like took her and moved her to a different country because uh, she's from kazakhstan and moved her to um uh, olgi mongolia and so yeah and that was my absolute favorite place and what was crazy is there's this one i mean there's so much crazy part of the story <laughs> but uh, she wanted to give us a special drink and i still don't know what this drink is because she didn't have her her daughter there to, to translate but it was some kind of milk and have you ever just drank buttermilk no okay well growing up from texas m my dad introduced me to just drink buttermilk and just straight <laughs> i know that's so gross i'm actually lactose intolerant now so you know. <laughs> but um so it tasted just like that but chunky oh no 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 <laughs> and so everybody was absolutely disgusted and there were five people on my on my immediate team so she's giving everybody a cup of this milk like yogurt buttermilk drink that was chunky. And so we would go behind a wall. I would down there drink and we would come back and I would have an empty cup. And I did that five times <laughs> so that we wouldn't have to be rude. Oh, wow. <laughs> I drink, everybody's drinking. She goes, oh, my gosh, you know, I guess you liked it. I'll bring more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's no, okay. thanks. Wow. Um, it's also really, it's in their culture, like, if you have an honored guest, in their culture, you kill a goat or sheep and you serve them the head. And then you get to eat, you know, the cheeks, the tongue, the eyeballs, you know, things like this. And we didn't know that our host had planned this. And I will never forget this because it breaks my heart to think about it. We, my team decided to have like a team, a team night, you know, where we bond together. And so we, uh, karaoke is a big thing over, like huge karaoke is everywhere. And so we just went out to do karaoke, whatever, just have a good time, bond as a team. And we came back and the daughter goes, we prepared a goat head for you and you didn't come and no. you have disarmed us. And it was just the biggest, like, we didn't even know, they didn't even tell us, but wow. I guess they hadn't thought that we would just, you know, go down the road do karaoke. So I never got to have that. So I don't have that story of being served and eating tongue and cheek and eyeball. And I would have loved that story because it is cringy and I love that kind of thing. Yeah, it would be so. a, a good story for <laughs> sure. But on the bright side, at least you didn't have to eat any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, other teammates did. Um, oh later on when they went further into the country which you can't well, further um away from the city is what i mean not into the country because we were in as deep as you can go really wow yeah so then um my team was like okay well we're gonna we're gonna leave now and uh the team split so just just my immediate five members we decided to go back into China, but this time we were gonna go into Western side of China. And I'm thinking, yes, I need some rice. You know, I'm so tired of noodles. 
uh, rice is going to be amazing. And did you know that when when going to or from Mongolia into China or from China, there are only two um, like place like uh, exits or entrances that you can use, like borders that you can go through as Americans. There's only two. Really? So there's one on east side of China and there's one on west side of China. So we went on the side that was on west side of China and we go through and it's still complete like desert. And you think, okay, well, East China was the most green, luscious, gorgeous, beautiful place I've ever seen in my entire life. I even went to the Jingzhajie National Forest where they film like, you know, the blue avatar, the blue people avatar, those floating mountains. Yeah. I've walked there. They don't have floating mountains, but that's where they filmed. And just the most beautiful places ever. Wow. And then you go to West China and it's dirt and sand and there's uh, military vehicles everywhere and it's shut down and there's it's there's all these checkpoints and it's scary and intense there's no han chinese over there it's all the other groups like the weaker people hmm. that are being that are being like persecuted and and genocide and everything like that and so that's where we were and so we didn't we didn't day too long over there it was very i can't even remember the city there's a city name in my mind and i'm like no i'm pretty sure that's on the eastern side of china so i don't want to tell you all the wrong city but it was very intense and we were treated really nice because we were americans um but it was just really intense now one of the what a one thing that was really cool is there was a very luscious vineyard there now this is one of the hottest places on earth um in turpon china it gets up to 150 degrees there and people will bathe themselves in the sand like cover themselves in the sand and kind of create their own personal sauna hmm. which saunas are also a big thing over there that's how we took baths over in mongolia you would use a sauna you had to actually cut the wood and draw the water out of the well and create the fire and heat the water and and uh, cut the coal and, and everything like that. So saunas were really, really big. And so that wasn't surprising, but 150 degrees is really intense. But they had this amazing vineyard over in Trapon with, I, I didn't try any drinks that they made from the grapes, but I did get to try one single grape. And I will never forget that it was the most luscious, incredible, amazing grape of my entire life. Wow. And no grape has ever compared that. <laughs> and so if you ever get a chance to go to China and you want to go to West side of China, which I don't know why you'd want to do that unless you want to, you know, intervene for the Uyghur people, like go to, go to the Turpon vineyard because that place, delicious, absolutely really cool experience. Interesting. And yeah. And so, yeah, then um, went down to Kazakhstan and over to Kyrgyzstan. In Kyrgyzstan, I um, taught English to college students. And it was also a Christian ministry. So we were ministering to those college students as well because we we're about the same age. I was probably, I think I was 24. I had just turned 24. And so um, then... It was time to uh, let's see. 
after that, oh, then we went to Romania and we worked with, uh, we didn't work with gypsies this time, but we worked in a really small city called Dragonesti. Uh, even, even when we checked in, they were like at the airport, they're like, never even heard of Dragonesti. <laughs> really insignificant place where we did some medical missions and uh, eyeglasses and and home to home ministry and and stuff like that someone was even gifted a hedgehog to eat which was, <laughs> what which was, we didn't eat it he released it into the wild oh man <laughs> i was like no the poor animal you know american and um, <laughs> yeah and then we i had a chance to go to jordan so I flew from Romania to, oh, yes, I forgot about that, but that's okay. Um, went to Jordan and worked with Brazilians. We had a, a mission group that were long-term Brazilians. They're staying there up to five years, well, or a minimum five years, I believe. And they were doing ministry for the um, Syrian and Iraqi refugees um, because both Iraqi and Syrians were persecuted by ISIS mm -hmm. and Iraqis are Christian Syrians are Muslim or you know most Iraqis are Christian uh, refugees that were persecuted and one thing that was cool there was you know with the Iraqi Christians the 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 ISIS um, terrorist group would paint the Arabic letter N, which is called Noon. And they would paint this or brand this somewhere on wherever the Christians would live. Maybe after persecuting them, maybe before. I know some of the Iraqi stories were, I went to the grocery store when I came back, all my family members were burned in their house alive, you know. And that happened to that woman twice, wow. you know, two, two separate times. She moved in with another, uh, um, you know, other family members and then went to the grocery store and came back and the house was burned with her family members inside and there would be the noon there. So it's this symbol of persecution. Now the N, they use it because they're like follower of the Nazarene is what that stands for and now the iraqi christians are like taking that symbol back and saying you're right we are followers of the nazarene you know and they are creating like to make money you know they're creating bookmarks and um wallets and other types of things and like putting the noon on it proclaiming like yes yeah we are they're owning it we Right, they're owning it. Yeah. Now, what's cool is I, I hadn't even, uh, I mean, I knew that that uh, ISIS was persecuting them and using the noon to do it. But before I met them, literally weeks before I met them, I had that simple tattooed on my heart. Uh, I actually had it done in, I didn't even mention this country, but Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan was only interesting because of that. I, it was a really cool country, really beautiful country, but I didn't do any ministry there. Um, do, do you remember when there was, what is it called? The soul, the big solar eclipse yeah. here in America. 2017. Yeah, do you remember? And it was a big thing for all these Americans here. Mm -hmm. Well, I was on the, I was crossing the Caspian Sea that night 
and there was just we were on a we bought our way onto a cargo ship from Kazakhstan to Azerbaijan and there were illuminating jellyfish on the side of the cargo ship and there was shooting stars just so many shooting stars so we were looking up at the night sky while y'all were wearing you know sunglasses or whatever y'all were wearing to protect your eyes so I've never miss <laughs> huh. like my experience was a little bit better than y'all's experience yeah right but that was the night that i was crossing the caspian sea and then i went into azerbaijan got the noon tattooed now it's two hours away a, a drive away from Mosul, iraq where isis was doing this and that's where i got my tattoo over my heart for 14 dollars wow. pretty great i i love that tattoo it means a lot to me so i actually showed my tattoo to these iraqi christians and um i was like you know god has called people to help and i'm definitely one one of these people and they just got up and gave oh, women of course got up and just gave me hugs and and just really accepted me and i was able to do like bible studies with them just the iraqi christians just loving on them showing them that you matter you care like just because this happened to you doesn't mean like god is overlooking you and just really loving on these women specifically and so i um i realized that i definitely wanted to do women ministry at that moment as well because i can't i'm an exhorter naturally and so i can encourage um women and and hear where they're at sympathize with them and empathize and and um still give glory to god and so that was a really cool experience i love that um to round out the trip I mean, there were two other countries that I went to just during this 2017 year. And one of those was um, uh, what, uh, Spain. And I went on El Camino de Santiago, which is in Northern Spain. And it's a 500 mile uh, trek. Now it starts in France. I didn't start in France with my team. I started in Pamplona, which is where they run the bulls. So I started in Pamplona, Spain, and unfortunately, because I only had 20 days to do it, and it's 500 miles, I could only complete to 150 miles of the, the trail. And I tell you, if you ever get the chance to do El Camino de Santiago, do it. <laughs> that was, you just meet people on the road and you just walk side by side with them and swap stories and people are looking for God. You know, they're looking for adventure. They're looking for something. That's why they're there. Yeah. And you get to suffer along with them. The first five days are horrible. Not the first day. Second through fifth day are horrible. Like your feet are blistered and you're like, why am I doing this? And you're walking between 12 and 20 miles a day. And it's just the most miserable experience. And you're aching with these people. And, oh, gosh, yeah, I'm really selling it, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, um, and then you stay in these um, albergues or uh, donativos. Albergues, you pay five bucks a night, tops. Like, no more than five bucks or five euros. No more than five euros a night, which is incredible for a night stay. Or you go to a donativo, which means it's like a church and they accept donations. And they can only, um, of course, each place can only take a certain amount of people. So don't be late. Otherwise, you're going to have to keep walking to find the next place. Oh, which would be awful. 
<laughs> it almost <laughs> happened to me one day. That was the, that was just terrible. Um, but yeah, that you just you just talk with God, and I remember just walking, and my feet are hurting, and I'm like, God, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going, and just you can feel every bone in your feet, you know, between day two and day five. Then mm. after that, you become stronger, and so you just talk, start talking to God. And you start praying and maybe you're listening to music. Maybe you're talking with other people and listening to their story. And then at night you get to just kind of chill. Now, one, the one thing they don't tell you about this is that after you've walked this 12, between 20, 12 and 20 miles, and you have to go somewhere to buy dinner or lunch or whatever, that is the most miserable experience. And and they take uh, siestas from between like 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. So like there's this three hour period where you can't even go to the grocery store <laughs> and then it opens up and it's actually a really fun place to be. Spain, Spain is just a lot of fun. Um, definitely want to do that again. Um, that was seriously the coolest, the coolest place ever for me. I mean, I love, I love my, my experience in Mongolia, but as far as like adventure goes that I would want to do over and over again, it would be this. And wow. then I finished out my 11 months in Morocco and just found some, uh, my team just found a, a Christian pastor and uh, named Mohammed and he was raised Muslim. And when he left Islam, his parents, like, you know, his whole family, I mean, he's dead to them now. Yeah, they disown him. Yeah, and he was just like, if y'all can just, of course, it's, no, you know, November. If you can just connect with people your age and just love on them. That's what people your age needs here is just. And so that's what we did. We would sit in coffee shops or sports areas or whatever, like, because, you know, soccer was massive is massive and just talk to people and realizing that's what people need is just to feel loved and seen and heard and it's it's amazing how much people crave that and need that so much so yeah so that rounded out that year um came back to the states uh did my student teaching and then I was like, God, I really want to go overseas. I really want to go to the Middle East. I picked five countries. So I'm like, okay, God, I narrowed it down to five countries that, you know, paid relatively well uh, for teaching like expatriates. And <laughs> just, I'm not even kidding, just 60 Minutes came on. And I've never been one to watch 60 Minutes, but it came on. And here is uh, Prince Mohammed bin Salman coming on 60 Minutes, and he's speaking in Arabic, even though he can't speak in English, he was speaking in Arabic, I guess nothing would be lost in translation, but they are translating it on the screen. And he's talking about how women are allowed to drive cars now, and that even though they only wear the black abayas and hijabs, or nakabs, that they can now wear colors. And little did I know that none of this had come to pass. That as he was saying it on 60 Minutes, law was being written in that moment. And, you know, when, and I'm like, well, how do they watch, you know, 60 Minutes in Saudi Arabia? Well, everything goes, uh, the whole country, it's kind of like a small town. Just, just Twitter. Everything is communicated on Twitter. So, of course, the whole country finds out law is being written right then. 
I didn't know this. <laughs> I actually applied out of school that night and got hired that night and went over to Saudi Arabia two months later. It would have been sooner, but Ramadan happened during that time. And when I tell you that nobody does anything during Ramadan, <laughs> nothing is done. The only thing you hear the whole time is inshallah, which means God willing, which means I'm not doing it today. <laughs> you know, yeah. Ramadan, they don't do anything. And um, so, yeah, so I went over there and they, at the school I was at, they split the genders. And so I had 24 third grade boys and I loved it. That is still, I've taught for six years and that is still my favorite class to teach ever. And I loved those boys so fiercely and it was close to the end of the year. And of course they're all Muslim. Not all of them are, are uh, Saudi. 11 of them were Saudi and the rest were from different countries. Uh, like, you know, Middle Eastern countries, Syria, Egypt, Jordan, you know, different places. Wow. And my favorite student that I've ever taught goes, you know, Miss Tandy, you're Christian and I want to be Christian just like you. And it like hit me so hard, like the impact that I was making on these kids. Like, Praise these God. boys loved me so much because I gave my all to them and there were you know it's a shame on our culture over there and they don't um like get these kids tested for autism or whatever learning disabilities they have and so I had about three autistic students in my class one was one was completely nonverbal and one was partially nonverbal and I looked at them you know, I'm going to get you to talk. I need to hear one of my completely nonverbal students. Same with Abdulaziz, <laughs> which, which I can say that because there's about a million of them. So uh, his, his uh, seat, you know, partner, his elbow partner came up to me and he goes, this Tandy, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love Abdulaziz so much. But he does not stop talking anymore. Which <laughs> 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 was amazing because he was a nonverbal student. He yeah. never said a word and now he wouldn't stop talking. Like Praise God. the fact that Jesus came into that classroom mm -hmm. and created peace and love and creativity and just just roamed. I just loved it. And and then another student I was like, by the way, because he didn't he didn't love anybody. And I was like, You're gonna love me, you know, by the end of the year. And he showed love in the only way that he knew how, which was to crawl on the ground and bite me, which meant he loved me. And I know that's super weird, but that is exactly what he did. And I go, I love you too. <laughs> and that was the end of it. <laughs> I know that's so weird, but you'd have to be there. <laughs> wow. um, so, yeah, so that was definitely to this day my favorite class. And in fact, those students actually still reach out to me. And they're about, actually, they're in eighth grade right now, which is, oh, my babies. Um, and then the next year, of course, I had some really tough students. Um, and then COVID hit. And I was, I was in Saudi Arabia when COVID hit. And we immediately, like within a week's time, was teaching online. Which was incredible because apparently here in America, they just shut down. Yep. Like, everything was completely shut down here. Mm -hmm. And they kept us teaching. Maybe because they were paying us so much. I don't know. They were like, hey, we, we brought you over here. You're, you're working. And we did. 
and uh, we just ran with the punches and you know made it work but it was really really hard for me personally because um you know there was no wi-fi in our building and there was like we i was using data to power you know my computer and stuff and there was the tvs were all in arabic and i was allowed to leave my apartment once every six weeks for food and you know you get a little bit of i don't want to be in this you know four wall i don't want to see these four walls anymore i'm kind of over it so in in saudi i just got tired of you know being by myself like they post a guard at the door i couldn't leave you weren't allowed like you were not allowed to go outside and because of covid yeah because of covid yeah and covid actually hit you know saudi like we were shut down by the end of january early february and y'all of course didn't get it until march but um that was that was quite challenging so i had only been outside of my apartment two times to get food before i finally took an emergency flight embassy flight out of the country and of course i had finished my school year and then i you know found a job in memphis tennessee moved to memphis tennessee lived there for three years worked with inner city schools and now um i'm here up north in pennsylvania wow so what what yeah. brought, what brought you to good old Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania, I Southern? I, know. I got a green light from God, you know. Wow. I, I did. I don't go anywhere unless I get a green light from God. Like, yeah. yes, He trusts me enough to to choose places, but I still pray and I'm like, God, is this right? Because I don't want to be out of step with you. Right. And I really love it here. So that's been that's been really well. Praise amazing. God. Yeah, and I love it. So are you planning on going on any other <clears throat> more missionaries, or are you just going to kind of stay put now and, and teach here and, and kind of just lay low? Um, Right now, I mean, I'm on dating apps for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so I'm definitely looking for, you know, my person. And that's very, it's, been, it's very challenging. I met a lot of missionaries and most of them are women. And so women have to make this decision of, okay, well, am I gonna go out into the world alone or am I gonna change my desire to be a missionary and kind of settle down, right. you know? And that's, that's and you know, there's very, there's just not enough couples. The, the workers really are few. And I just have such a strong desire to wanna go overseas and and to and to start a school, I would love to start a school, and especially for for those, um, you know, refugees that aren't don't have access to education and things like that. Like I would love to start a school and and bring that back. Some of them haven't had an education in years because of them their refugee status. And um, like in Indonesia, the you're not allowed to go. The refugees are not allowed to go into Indonesian schools. And then in Jordan, the refugees are allowed into schools, into the Jordanian schools, but 
the the boys are being like beat up and the girls are being abused in other ways wow. and all like on the way to school and stuff like that so now there's a fear that's associated with education yeah so yeah that's definitely my heart and yeah i hope i get to live it and i hope i don't have to be like oh well i guess for you know my per- I, I i don't know i've i've tried i've tried to like pray and be like okay god just take this away from me but i i absolutely you know just struggle with that so much because i've been wanting this has been my desire for 10 years yeah so yeah. Well, God knows your heart, and uh, you know he he very well might lead you to uh, another missionary. You guys get married and and do it together. You know, true. Seek God's Amen. wills. God's uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things shall be added unto you. So, Amen. You know. Yes. How many? Uh, I want to ask the, the, those eleven months that you were on that mission trip. How did you see a lot of people? converted or turned to christ on that mission trip um it's more so seeds were planted i would say yeah lots lots of seeds were planted and and some people find that really discouraging but honestly i was a short-term missionary right. in those countries well you got to start somewhere. and was able to hand over those that i made connections with to the long-term missionaries and allowed them to continue uh, watering that seed, you know? Yeah. So that's, that, that was what I did. So I hope to one day become a long-term missionary and water <laughs> seeds rather than right. just plant seeds, yeah, you know, and maybe I watered some seeds, but as far as coming to, um, Jesus, I did not have any conversions myself. No. Yeah. Well, like hey, me I mean, you're, you're you're still doing the Lord's work, and you're out there planting the seed, and you know, not not everything's going to come overnight or at the snap of a finger. So, you know, right. Glory to God. You know, just for getting there and doing it. You know, I it listening to your stories. You know, it kind of makes me. Uh, I feel like most of us from the states kind of take for granted where we live, and yes, it's, yeah. <laughs> I've heard so many stories from missionaries. It's just like, I couldn't imagine having to live that way. You know, we have it so good over here and we're so blessed uh, and lucky to be where we're at. And it's just outside of our four walls. It's, it's a different world out there. And God bless you for going out there and trying to, you know, lead people to the Lord and and do the right thing. That's, it's awesome. Thank you. I, I'm, so thankful for it yeah god really answered my prayer when i you know was just in my bedroom saying god i want to live an adventurous life you know so i think he came through (laughs) but he's not done with me yet amen yeah Yeah. it sounds like uh you you definitely lived an adventurous life that's for sure some uh i still can't get over the fact that it's a billion dollar industry of prostitution yeah wow yeah it's sad it's disheartening and you'll you'll see like men in the airport with their families and think does your wife know like is that what your plan is here and sometimes that is the case and that's what you know the the women that i was working with there that's what they were saying is they'll come with their families and the wife knows what the husband is there for wow yeah 
Well, we're about uh, an hour and 12 minutes into this now, so uh, we can start wrapping it up here. I want to give you uh, an opportunity, um, maybe if you want to speak to the world or to anybody who's thinking of maybe getting into missions work or uh, anything on your heart that you want to say, you can, you can go ahead and say that now. Yeah, if, if you feel called to missions, like you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has called you to go like don't be afraid to go because if he has led you to it like he put that in you he put that desire in you so that means he's going to be with you don't be afraid to step out and oh well you know i won't have all of my you know stuff so you're gonna be happier without it amen trust me you really are like it's so hard to when you have so much stuff to be like, oh, I need God. But when you are out there, you're like, God, I can't, I literally can't do this without you. And it brings you to such a place of humbleness and just desire to continue after God. It's such, a, I, I have chills. It just is the coolest place to be, to know that you can't do it without God. And that's why so many Americans turn away from God because they can make it. They're like, oh, I can do this without God. I put a roof over my own head. I can make money. I can get a, a second, third, fourth job, you know, and I can do this. And so they turn away from God instead. But out there, it's like, no, God, you have to make every way. It's, it's not as easy. And that's one of the reasons why it's so incredibly fulfilling. So yeah, so if you have that desire, go and do it. Because you, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Amen, and no no better time than now. And, uh, you know, tonight, anybody listening, we, um, you know, we want to give you an opportunity uh, to pray with us. If, if you don't know the Lord, or you want to come back to the Lord, or, you know, you just, you, you don't know, you're on the fence. We want to lead you in a, a sinner's prayer tonight and I'm, I'm going to lead the way and Tandy's going to repeat after me and you guys can just pray along with us. So dear God in heaven, dear God in heaven, I come to you today as a lost sinner. I come to you today as a lost sinner. I'm asking you that you save my soul. I'm asking you that you save my soul and cleanse me from all sin and cleanse me from all sin. I realize in my heart my need of salvation. I realize in my heart my need for salvation. Which can only come through Jesus Christ. Which can only come through Jesus Christ. I'm accepting Christ into my heart. I'm accepting Christ into my heart. And what he did on the cross in order to purchase my redemption. And what he did on the cross in order to purchase my redemption. In obedience to your word. In obedience to your word, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. And believe in my heart that the Lord has raised him from the dead. You have said in your word which cannot lie. You have said in your word which cannot lie. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For who shall ever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I have called upon your name exactly as you have said. I have called upon your name exactly as you said. And I believe that right now I am saved. 
And I believe that right now I am saved. Amen and amen. Woo! Amen! Hallelujah. And if you prayed with me and Tandy tonight, you can reach out to me if you want to share your born-again experience. If you have a story about what the Lord's doing in your life, you can reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at Russ Podcast. Or you could just send me an email at russpodcast at proton.me. Let's have a conversation about God. Or even if you're thinking about mission work, you want to come on, you want to talk to Tandy, I could put you guys in contact. Anything you want to do, come on and let's talk. So, Tandy, I thank you for coming on tonight. It's been a it's been a pleasure and a blessing hearing all your stories. Yeah, so much fun sharing. Yeah, uh, any you know, any other crazy, exciting things come up, you know, shoot me a line and, and I'll bring you back on and we could talk about it. Oh yeah, I'll let you know. All right, well, take care and God bless, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, talk to you later.